You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Put your pencils down, because it's time for the Star Seminar. And now, here are your hosts, Rabble Rouser and Danny Fenton. Welcome to another edition of the Star Seminar. This week's seminar will be taking place live from the bleachers in Oxnard, California. I will be sitting on the bleachers watching practice. And Danny Phantom will be underneath the bleachers looking for cigarette butts that he can smoke <laughs> after practice. How are you today, sir? Oh, well, you know, uh, I'm doing I'm doing great. Uh, you know, although I will I can't say that I've ever done that before uh, for many reasons. That just sounds terrible. Um, but thanks for that. Appreciate that. I know I know I have it coming. Uh, you've been razzing me basically for going on ten minutes now with. Uh, with the Oxnard news, but so, you know, I understand it. So, but oh, wait, wait, I'm sorry. What, what's the Oxnard news? I, so I, I will not be able to make it this year. I have other plans with the family that I have other obligations that I have to do. And uh, so this year it, I, there will be no Danny Phantom in Oxnard. And I'm, I'm just as disappointed as you are. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, I, I don't know what else to say. Uh, you know, I, I wish I could be there with you. I wish I could be there with, with the gang. Um, but you know, this is so is life. So after making a solemn promise to your many many fans False. that you would be there, False. regardless, <laughs> you've now reneged on that promise. Oh, I'm just kidding. Yeah. So in all seriousness, we're going to miss you. It's going to be fun, um, and you know, hopefully, we'll have a chance to get on a Zoom with you or something next week. Uh, you know, live from practice, so we can kind of check in. Um, so yeah, that, that that that's a bummer. I'm I'm sorry to hear that, but you know, I totally get it. Yeah, and you know. One thing that uh, I won't have to do so much since I'm not going to go down there is I won't have to memorize the entire 90, oh, 90 man roster, and which uh, you know I don't mind doing. And uh, but uh, yeah, yeah. I, I honestly like when I would fly out for training camp in the years where I was covering it, like for two three weeks in a row, I would make a flashcard for each player and memorize them on the plane on the way out. I would like drill myself. Yeah, no, that's you a, know. Yeah, I was doing the same thing last year, just you know prepping for it because because I want to know who I'm looking at. It's very important to know exactly. what you're looking looking at. And but I, I I do have a thing with jersey numbers though. Um, one weird thing about me is that I uh, I actually use cowboy players to help me remember long numbers. Like if if I'm trying to remember you know a long number at work, I'll just put put a few cowboy jerseys together and just like. You know, I can I can remember it. So that's hilarious. That's it's something weird about me that that, that I do. I don't, do you do any kind of weird? Do you have some type of thing where like the Cowboys hack something that uh that you know they they help you figure out? You know, it's funny. The, the time in my life as a fan when I was really into jersey numbers was the time when I was into like jersey numbers from all teams. So like my. I had a series, I had a series of like lucky numbers, most of which were um, quarterback, running back and receiver numbers. So like whenever I would play the lottery, even as, a, as an adult, I mean, I've played the lottery in years, but when I used to do it, I picked my own numbers. I would pick like Earl Campbell and Billy Sims's numbers, 20 and 34 were always picked. You know, I would oftentimes pick 12 and 12 has been my lucky number my whole life. It's my, it's been my favorite number my whole life. And a lot of that is Roger Steinbeck, of course, but it's also because all the great quarterbacks had 12 in that era, right? You know, Stabler and Bradshaw and Staubach. And I mean, you name it, they all had, they were all wearing, they were all wearing 12. So, um, so it, when I first started in the, like as a fan in the seventies, I liked 
like a lot of different teams and a lot of different players as before I've narrowed the aperture of my focus to solely on the Cowboys as I become older. And frankly, the time I can dedicate to this is, has shrunk. But one, one of the reasons why I said it, this was hilarious that you use um, player jerseys and player names to remember long numbers is my best friend in high school, his, his phone number, it was three digits. I don't even remember what those three digits were, but I do remember this. And I will probably remember this till, uh, I, till I, you know, put both feet into the grave uh, for the long sleep. And that is that hit the last, uh, the last four digits of his phone number were Billy Joe Dupree, Everson Walls. Eighty nine twenty four. That's exactly right. So, so to this day, I, I remember that uh, that number because it was those two players. So we all we all did. You know, we were all a bunch of sports geeks, and we all did that kind of stuff all the time. Nice. So, you know. So speaking of a phone number, I, I got a little a little trivia for you. I want to. I'm going to give you some players, and I want you to figure out what this magic phone number is. Oh boy. Okay. Let's, so you ready for this? Can I, can I? Do I need to write this down? I would. I would write it down. Yeah. All right, give me something to write with. Hold on a second. Okay, shoot. Okay, so we're going to start off, and we're going to start off with Butch Johnson. Uh-huh. Tony Casillas. Mm-hmm. Dan Reeves. Oh, okay. Tony Romo. Okay. So who who did Oh, I... Jenny, Jenny. Ah, there you go. <laughs> All right, 8675309. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, I did that all the time. I know it's weird, but like, because I, I, I have to remember long numbers at work, and I do that just all the time, and just put players' jerseys down, there you go. And uh, That's hilarious. So, I, I, that's great. That's fantastic. Speaking of numbers, I suspect that we may be having a little bit more fun with numbers on the show. Why don't you share with everyone what we, what we have in store? Yeah, so with training camp underway, the narratives are already... Hot out of camp, hot out of the campfire. See what I did there? Oh, oh yeah. clever, clever boy. So what we wanted to do today is go over a few of them and talk about whether it's just smoke or if it has an actual chance to spread like wildfire. But before we do that, and since we brought up numbers, uh, we want to take a little moment to just stroll down Cowboys history and play a little game called Who Wore It Better? So, Rabs, why don't you explain to everybody how this game works? Okay, I'd love to. So this is how it works. Uh, I'm going to hit my random number generator, which, if you guys remember from one of our early episodes, mean I, means that I asked my wife a number between 1 and 99. And randomly select a number, and then uh, I want you to uh, start with a player who wore that number, and we'll take turns gradually one-upping the other to determine who wore it better. Fair enough? Fair enough. That sounds like a plan. All right, let's get our number. Okay, we have a winner. It's number 11. All right. All right, so who are you starting us out with? Oh, So because of the nature of the game, we want to be able to get through a handful of these players. So I'm going to start off with somebody who's very beatable and... I'm going to start off with Roy Williams. Not the safety Roy Williams, but you might remember the wide receiver Roy Williams, which everybody hates. You know, um, mm-hmm. you might know Williams, you know. Uh, Jerry fell in love with him. Like, he, he, he was wanting him, you know, a couple years before we actually got him. They had a big year uh, in 2006 with the Lions. And by the way, just a little fun fact, uh, John Kitna was the quarterback at the time. And do you know who the coach was? I don't. It's Rod. Oh, Rod Marinella. Rod Marinella, yeah. This, yeah, yeah. This, uh-huh. was, this was a little bit before he went his infamous winless season. Um, but he was the head coach. Uh, but then, you know, Calvin Johnson came along, and finally the Lions decided they could part ways with Williams. Uh, but he didn't come cheap. Um, the Cowboys gave up a first, a third, a sixth. And then they signed him to a huge extension with a lot of guaranteed money. I mean, it, some have referred to this as one of the worst trades the Cowboys have ever made. Uh, and, of course, as we know, uh, Roy Williams, he severely underperformed. He had a couple 500-yard seasons before finally be, becoming a cap casualty. So Roy Williams will kick things off. Do you think you can beat that, Rabs? Beat that? Uh Yes, but I maybe. So I'm going to go way back into the uh, Cowboys memory bank here. 
And um, I'm going to pull out a, a, a number 11 from way back, but it's a namesake of yours. Uh, and it's, a, it's a, a guy who played for the team for about three years in the mid-60s named Danny Villanueva. Was he part of the Partridge family? He w- was not, in okay. fact. Okay. Um, so Danny Villanueva was a, a Mexican kicker who kicked for the team for like a couple of years. He was actually um, really actually kind of instrumental in, in helping the Cowboys kind of get over the hump. If you remember the Cowboys, uh, you know, were started in, in, in 1960. They were founded in 1960. They had a couple of terrible years, and then they got good, and then they got good really quickly. But their special teams was, was not great. And there's a couple of things that happened. They got, they got um, a couple of good returners. Um, to, for their special teams, and then they got Danny Villanueva, and he made over a hundred consecutive uh, extra points in an era in which guys were missing extra points all the time. Because remember, this was not when they were soccer style kickers yet. Soccer style kickers were much more accurate. They were those front on kickers who would like you know kick the ball you know straight, and um, and so uh, that level that level of, of of consistent accuracy was kind of unheard of. Um, and I think I think it, uh, the the record was subsequently broken years and years later by Dan Bailey, but um, it, it it held for a long time. Anyway, interesting guy. Um, played for you know played for um, the Rams before he played for the Cowboys, and then played for the Cowboys for three years, and then retired after the Ice Bowl. Totally get it. If you're a kicker on <laughs> sitting on the sidelines for that whole Ice Bowl, not moving, <laughs> I bet it was a pretty miserable experience. And you were like the heck with this i'm gonna go do something else and he actually did a lot with his life he actually became a millionaire and did it did a great job um in his business endeavors after after leaving the cowboys so uh you know let's let's, let's crack a cold one for another danny danny villanueva nice um, what do you what do you have can you top that uh, i hope so i mean i'm glad i have you here because i would have never gone that far back and uh, so it's good to have we have some range here but bet- between us so I'm going to kick it a little bit. Uh, I'm also going to go with someone who is a millionaire. Um, it, I, I'm going to go back. I'm picking this player for for a different reason. I mean, he's, again, not, not a huge fan favorite, but I'm going to go with Drew Bledsoe. And mm-hmm. I know mm-hmm. a lot of people are, are critical of Bledsoe because, you know, he struggled in the beginning of 2016, you know, and we were all pretty excited when, when Tony finally, you know, got the nod. But I want to give him a little love because, um, when he arrived, I mean, you may remember, so like Parcel showed up in 2003, took the Cowboys to the playoffs the, um, his first year, but that was on the heels of a, a great defense that Parcells put together, uh, but a very ineffective offense. You remember, we had Quincy Carter, and then the year after that, we had Vinny Testaverde, which, fun, mm-hmm. a fun little fact, uh, that Monday night game in 2004 against Seattle when Testaverde uh, hit Keyshawn Johnson for a big TD late in the game uh, was the last time that I... I witnessed uh NFL game live that game oh. in Seattle. I was there and Interesting. Yeah, you know, you know my story about me and live football games, but nonetheless, I mean, that's how long it's been. Um, but anyway, so Bledsoe came, came along and the offense, I mean, he wasn't great, but he gave them hope. I mean, the offense improved mm-hmm. and I think it just speaks to how important it is to not have a bad quarterback. And of course, after that, you know, Romo came on and we've had Romo and Dak since, but um, I just, you know, I want to appreciate the Bledsoe years because he, I know he was only there for a little bit, but he gave he gave the Cowboys hope, and that was when we had T.O. and and the offense could you know it could do some stuff. So those seasons, even though they didn't amount to anything, it was like well we had a chance, and Drew Drew Bledsoe was a big part of that because we finally got off that terrible quarterback you know string of yeah. just so. It was interesting those years. It was like a sort of series of stair steps because Quincy Carter was better than the, the sort of weird conglomeration of quarterbacks that, that they had in 2002. And then uh, Testaverde was probably a better quarterback than, than Quincy Carter, although maybe not, you know, more than just appreciably. Um, and then I, I think uh, Drew Bledsoe represented an improvement over uh, Testaverde. And then Romo, of course, was an improvement over, over, right. um, over blood and so so it's really interesting how they just kind of built that and got better you know better every year yeah i i think um you know that that 2005 team was so hot and cold they were like one one lost one 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 lost one and, and that just felt like he was the poster child for that kind of play because he was such a hot and cold quarterback himself you know where he would have a great game i remember, I remember the game early on against the reigning nfc champion uh, eagles with to in Dallas, I think it was week four, and he and Terry Glenn put on a show, and the Cowboys just demolished the Eagles, something like thirty-four to ten, or so. it was it was it was brutal, and they just pounded the 
heck out of them. And they, I mean, and, and Bledsoe was magnificent in that game. Was, you know, passing, hitting Glenn. Glenn had over 100 yards in the first quarter, I think. I mean, they were just incredible. Um, but then you had those other games where there'd be like, you know, boneheaded turnovers, giving up sack fumbles all the time. You know, uh, it, was, it was a really interesting sort of hot and cold era for, for him. Yeah, uh, that's a nice one. That's a nice one. I think I do think I can top it, but and I and I apologize right now because this is in, in some ways going to be just too easy. But there is an eleven on the roster right now. You know, there is. Uh, yeah, he's a uh, wide receiver. No, he's not a wide receiver. He's a quarterback. No, he's not a quarterback. He's a linebacker, oh. and his name is Micah Parsons. And he's not just a linebacker. He's a linebacker slash defensive end slash strong safety slash Troy Palumalo and linebackers clothing type of player and the front runner for defensive player of the year. But we'll talk about that later. I don't, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Anyway. Yeah. I'm not going to say much more about him. Great rookie season. We've talked before about whether it's possible or, or, or fair, or realistic that he could actually improve on that season. I think it's going to be very difficult to do so. I also think maybe he could. Well, and he's, he's he's awfully good. That's uh you know, I, you know we, Micah is for for having one season and to already be you know one of the best Cowboys to wear number eleven. That's pretty impressive. So you know, mad props to him. But I will have to say, I'm gonna one up you here. Um, he's he he's been a Cowboy a little longer. He's not a Cowboy anymore. But I'm gonna have to give a little bit of love to Cole Beasley and uh, and he's not somebody that I've been giving a lot of love. to to recently because you know Cole Beasley's kind of I don't know I don't know why I don't know how you would describe Beasley I've I've soured on Beasley I loved him when he played with us but I haven't really cared much for him when he he, he to me he's a little bit like Des when he gets on Twitter he gets just gets a little too much for me so uh, but nonetheless this isn't about that this is about uh, how fantastic he was uh, during his time with the Cowboys I uh, remember he he's an undrafted free agent and we all love to love undrafted free agents um, of course, he did have some reservations about playing football and and quit for a bit, but but then he came back and we all just kind of swept that under the rug. But then he slowly became more and more of a weapon for the Cowboys. Um, he peaked in 2016. He had over 800 yards, but then kind of slowly faded again. He made some clutch catches, you know, like especially that big one against the the Giants in the end zone, back of the end zone where they initially ruled him out of bounds. What a what a great finale that game was. But uh, or that over the back catch he had, or mm-hmm. um, also against the Giants, right also, on the sidelines. Also against the Giants, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, so I mean, and of course, he recently tweeted that he wouldn't mind returning to, to Dallas. You know, to, that is to play with Dak. Uh, fans still seem to love him. Uh, this fan, like I said, not so much. But nonetheless, with over three hundred catches and thirty-two touchdowns in a Cowboys uniform, he still deserves some recognition for being one of the better players. To wear number 11, good luck beating that, Rabs. It's funny that you mentioned, I just want to talk about Cole Beasley first for one second. I, I, um, uh, it's funny that you mentioned a couple of his catches that came against the Giants because the Cole Beasley catches that I, might, that I may well remember best are a couple that happened in 2014 against, is that right? Yeah, 2014 against the Giants, that game in New York where the, the Giants played the Cowboys really tough. And um, uh, this, the, the momentum really swung. They sort of hit Cole Beasley on a short pass. He, like, broke a tackle and, and took it all the way down the sidelines. I'm not sure he scored in either of the passes, but both of them got them within the five-yard line, and they, and they scored, like, subsequently in the next play. And so there was, uh, you know, he, he that, that year was the year of Dez, most definitely was the year of Dez. But that game, Cole Beasley really did a lot to, to get them in. And I happened to be at that game, so I just always sort of remembered. I was like, oh, Beasley made a big play, and, and it was it was pretty great. Anyway, um, great, great one. Um, I don't know that I want him back, and, and we can talk about, and I think we probably will talk about um, the Cowboys and their history of diminutive receivers, um, because I do actually love myself a diminutive receiver. Um, but I do also think that I can top that. And there's a guy who you may have heard of because I, I think I, I recall a conversation in which you might have expressed your fondness for this player as a young football fan. And that is another guy. Uh, there's a couple people on this list who, who um, not all fans truly appreciate, um, who, get, who maybe get a little bit more flack than, 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 they, than their games merit. And the, the poster child for that, of course, is the great Danny White. Danny White 
was the best backup quarterback in the league for several years behind Roger Staubach. There were several times. If you were, people tend to forget, but Staubach retired because of concussions. And there were a lot of games where he, he just got knocked the heck out and someone would have to come in. And, you know, that, that person changed from year to year. And of course, that's why Clinton Longley had to come in in that famous, um, that famous Thanksgiving game because, because Staubach was hurt. But, uh, but this happened a lot. Stoback got to her a lot because his playing style was, you know, pretty rambunctious and he was running the ball a lot and guys were aiming for his head. And so uh, Danny White was instrumental in sort of like solidifying that and, and in some ways easing our fears if Stoback went out because we knew that somebody good was coming in. He was also their starting punter, you may remember. So mm-hmm. there were lots of times when they were, he would either pass or run out of punting formation. He was just a great all-around athlete, really, really great athlete. And he, got, he got, finally got an opportunity when Staubach retired a little bit earlier than I think maybe some of us expected uh, and seized it and took the Cowboys to three consecutive NFC Championship games. Yes, he lost all three. But I will say that if we look at that team, and that was a declining aging team, right? They, they, they had a big draft class in 75, that dirty dozen in 75, and then they really didn't draft well at all in the subsequent years. So they had like, four or five bad drafting years in a row. And the cupboard was empty by the time, uh, by the time Danny White took over. He, he did, I'm not saying he carried the team because they still had a lot of talent, but he did a lot to, um, to keep that team competitive and had some really outstanding performances in the playoffs and in the games that led up to the games that ultimately like concluded their season, those, those, those sort of gut wrenching losses. Um, But, but yeah, really great player. I think ultimately, took a lot of the brunt of cowboy fans disappointment at the sort of the termination sort of official termination of the great cowboys dynasty of the 70s um but i i think a lot of that was not deserved because uh that the cowboys stopped drafting well the cowboys weren't coaching uh didn't have the same coaching advantage in the late 70s early 80s that they enjoyed in the 60s and into the 70s when really most coaches were glorified high school coaches and then here you had landry with a sort of sophisticated system well the rest of the league caught up and then ultimately passed him up and danny white had the misfortune of being the quarterback at that very moment when the league was passing him up when passing up landry passing up the cowboys front office and so danny white you know not being roger staubach got the got the brunt of that but it was not on danny white it was on tech schramm and gil brandt and uh and tom landry and the fact that they drafted horribly for years and danny white didn't have as much to play with yeah no and i mean that's an excellent choice and i think we could all agree that that danny white is definitely the best number 11 uh, at, at the at, at the moment he's the best number 11 um to play for the Cowboys. So let, let me actually ask you one follow-up question in the wake of that how much longer does micah have to play at the level he played at last year before he becomes the best number 11 Oh my, you know what? I don't know. I don't think it's very long. I mean, if he's playing at that level, um two more years? Danny White was good for a long time, dude. He was good for a yeah, but here's the thing, Phil. I mean, what you said about White is I mean, exactly right. And I, and I I want to add too with with Danny White is like that was right when I became a fan too. I really don't have vivid memories of Roger Staubach. I, I'm sure mm. I watched games of him playing like when I was a kid, but I just can't I can't recall things. Um, I've seen obviously I've seen a lot of videos and but Danny White I recall very much and he was like you know he was really one of my first favorite players um, besides us having the same name too. But of course he's the quarterback of your favorite team, so you're you're gonna gonna love him and you know had the poster. Um, and, you know, I, I got really upset when Gary Hoogaboom showed up and uh, there was that quarterback controversy. Uh, I just wanted Hoogaboom to just get out of here and, like, wanted nothing to do with him because I was still I still was a supporter of Danny White. Um, but, you know, neither of those quarterbacks really were doing playing very well back then. But did you ever watch Hoogaboom on Survivor? You probably don't even watch Survivor, but um, I, I got a kick out of that. There's some, There's been a lot of Cowboy players yeah, uh, and even Jimmy Johnson, Danny McRae, Jimmy Johnson, yeah, Gary right. There's a, there's a lot of them that um, but I I got a kick out of watching Hoogaboom. Um, I still had animosity. I was like, you know what? I hope you get voted out. You know, just I just uh, that's that's my loyalty <laughs> to Danny White. Uh, but I hope you drown during one of the beach challenges. It was never like that, but man, it's like. <laughs> 
Uh, it didn't wouldn't hurt my feeling if he got blindsided. Yeah, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, um, I don't know. Uh, so you know what? Let's since uh, since you brought it up, let's just kind of uh, move into our um, our training camp hot topics. And like right now, Micah is all the craze. You know, he's yeah, yeah. Of course, now people are after day two of Micah are just kind of running through everything. People are a little bit, little bit concerned about our offensive line, which you know that's in itself is a different. A different thing, but um, just Micah just seems like just a different animal, and I don't know. I I really think this is going to be a, a a big year for Parsons. I so I will I will tell you that I'm I, I'm buying into this, but I don't know. Are are we going to be hyping this up to where we we just think he's just going to be all world, and then he comes back down to earth? Are you what do you, what do you think? Are you buying into this narrative that Micah is just you know, going to just tear it up? Uh, yeah, I'm buying into it. I, I mean, I think, you know, uh, barring health concerns, uh, he's going to be a better player than he was last year. But I think it's important to remember that he could be a, he could have a better year and have a less statistically impactful year. He could end up having a much better year and play better and play with more discipline and play with more assignment sound and, you know, whatever, and have few, way fewer sacks, you know? So, I, I mean, I, so, so much of those sort of, those sort of like, you know, the gaudy statistics like sacks are, you know, it's about, it's about being, you know, being good, obviously, like you have to beat your man, but it's also being in the right place at the right time, you know, like someone flushes the quarterback into you and those sorts of things happen. So um, I think it's this sort of proverbial, like the, he could be better, but not have as good a year, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it absolutely makes sense. And I, and I think a lot of people are, are talking about this all the time, especially with talking about the defense and you know, we all know the re- regression to the mm-hmm. mean is going to happen and stuff. But for sure, I think, you know, when you really look at things closely, you can evaluate um, what, what kind of impact a player has. And that's why I never was too hard with, with tank because of, for that exact reason. But I will say this, and you know, to, to kind of add on to the Micah Parsons is I wouldn't be surprised if that sack number goes up because I think the Cowboys are going to, gonna realize that he's gotta be on the edge. Now it's not to say he will be exclusively on the edge, but I feel like, you know, with the injuries that happened last year, the Cowboys got this gift of enlightenment to see just how good this guy is on the outside. And I just feel like you can't be wasting snaps with him playing, you know, in the linebacker. And he will and he'll he's too good to only use as an edge rusher, but you got to get your use out of him on the edge because I'll tell you what he is going to give be a problems for so many tackles in this league and I I don't know I think Micah is just going to be uh, as great of as a rookie season that he had last year I think this year could even be better and and I mean uh, I, he's definitely my pick to, to top candidate to win um, defensive player of the year mm-hmm. so so let, let, I'm trying to think as you're talking. Uh, I'm starting to salivate, of course, and uh, I'm tr- I'm starting to think of, or I was thinking rather of, when's the last time the Cowboys had a defensive player that had the capacity to strike fear into the minds of offensive coordinators as they were prepping in during you know prepping during Cowboy Week, and the first guy that came to mind was the Marcus the Marcus Ware, but I'm not sure that he was that guy. I, I'm actually thinking the last guy who was like that might have been like 2000, or excuse me, 1992-93 Charles Haley. Charles Haley is the guy that came to where, mind. Where, where, where guys are, are just worried about his ability to just ruin the game. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, and, and I think that, and so what that means then is that they're so they're so concerned about that that other guys are going to eat. You know, so I, I think that that's another reason why he could have a better year and not have as, as, as gaudy statistics is because he might get triple team, but his triple team means that, o- that Odigizu is going to get eight sacks, you know, or something. Right. Um, and I, I think the other thing that you mentioned is, is that, uh, you know, he can't be either a linebacker or a defensive end exclusively. I think that's absolutely right. I will say, though, that I think he's, if he's going to be a pass rusher, which I think it's foolish for him not to be, I think where he could be most effective is as a pass rusher from the linebacker position, because then he can take almost any gap. I think there's, I think that the, the element of surprise, which ultimately is disruptive to the offensive line. And, and again, allows other guys to eat uh, is, is one of the greatest assets where he, if he lines up, let's say he lines up just outside of, of DeMarcus Lawrence's outside shoulder. And he, you know, he, he takes a hard step 
toward the outside of the tackle and then and then cuts back in. I mean, and you know, the guard in the center are there. They're trying to deal with the defensive tackles, and all of a sudden, here's Micah. You know, I mean, that's and and you know, the defensive tackle, uh, defensive tackles are running a stunt, and then you know, and so they have to pass those guys off. And then Micah Parsons, who runs a you know a three eight when they, when a quarterback is in his sights, you know what I mean? Like it's suddenly flashing by them. I mean, that's terrifying, absolutely terrifying. Um, but it, it, it might be that. That, that terror allows them to just forget all about Neville Gallimore. Right. You know, because, because the thing that defensive, excuse me, the thing that their offensive line coach and offensive coordinator have been saying all, all week long is number 11 can't hurt us. Number 11 can't hurt us. And so what that means is other guys are going to. Right. Um, so, yeah, I think that uh, I, 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 you know, it seems like he's the kind of guy, he's, he's a studious player. He's going to get stronger we've seen it again and again, the biggest leap happens between the rookie and the, and the second year. Um, and that, and that's, and here he is, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's reshaped his body a little bit. He's, you know, hungry, ready to go. And he is, a, he's a hungry, it's funny because he's got such a kind of like cheerful demeanor and he's got sort of dimply cheeks and he's got a great smile, all these things. I think it, it belies the Lawrence Taylor he has in him because Lawrence Taylor I don't know that he ever smiled. And when he did, I mean, he did, but, but he, but you know, it, it just like his resting face was terrifying. You know, he just looked like a scary dude. Like he just looked like a scary dude and Michael Parsons doesn't, but then he plays like one man. Um, yeah. So he's, he's a special, special player. Yeah. You know, it's interesting you say that. I just had to go back and look up some stats too. Like I looked at DeMarcus's two biggest sack years and it was the year Demarcus Ware, Demarcus Lawrence, actually, uh-huh. you know, because mm-hmm. I when you mentioned that too, like you know, other people eating too. I I remember like when when you have to worry about someone else, then you know that's when that's when other people have big years too. And I and his his he, his big years were when we had, um, gosh, now Greg Hardy, mm-hmm. Greg Hardy, and then also with David Irving. Um, the, the, when when those guys, I remember that season that Irving was just wrecking things and, awesome and, yeah. and so and i think when you have players like that multiple players that could really just wreck things it becomes a problem and then you have to start to figure out you know pick your almost pick your poison now in the cowboys case i don't necessarily know if they you know who who they're is going to be their guys i think that's something we're going to have to wait and see like who's going to be is it going to be osa you know is doran's going to be i mean are they going to get anything out of foul or are they going to, I mean, there's so many cho- choices golston chauncey golston you know gallimore as you mentioned i mean just so i think as the cowboys start to see who's really creating problems between those guys that's probably could be how they try to fit micah in there like maybe he's coming more from the edge or more from the middle depending on yes. how, what yes. what's going on so i mean it's almost like a wait and see because they don't even they may not even know how to, how to use him the best but to one thing i do know is it's going to contain a lot of a lot of reps coming after the quarterback yeah and i think how to use him best is really going to change game to game so one of the other things that, that you know you gestured to when you were talking about um you know how to use him earlier was the fact that They've got a really interesting collection of guys who all have slightly different skill sets. And I think that one of the things that Dan Quinn and his, and his defensive coaching staff showed they were really good at last year was finding out where the mismatches are and then using their guys to, to exploit those mismatches. And sometimes that started from the beginning of the game and sometimes it took them a while to figure that out during the game. But I, I, think, the, I think that's really like what their defense is. I think it's probably the, the core of their defensive philosophy is get I mean, because there's not anybody really on the defensive line who's like a standout who needs to be there every, every, every play. Like, I don't even think DeMarcus Lawrence is that player anymore. So it's just a lot of guys who are really good. Not a lot of, not a lot of guys or any guys really who are great, but those guys who are really good. All, all are really good because they have like a trait or two. Mm-hmm. And so that trait may be something that gets locked up by a, by a right tackle. And so you don't want to just keep ha- having a, you know, the same guy go against the right tackle, but if you swap him out, maybe somebody else is, it has something that that tackle really struggles with. And so I think just, I, I think it's, it's the kind of defense where you're not relying on stars. You're relying on week to week and, and even, you know, quarter to quarter matchups right. and exploit, exploiting matchups and, and really styles make fights in terms of matchups. Like you can find a guy who's, whose skill set just is a bad matchup for a particular, like, you know, interior offensive lineman. 
and just and just you know let him exploit that matchup for as long as, as the other team will allow it. Yeah. So I, I say so I, while all that's happening, I think what you we were talking about is absolutely spot on because while all that's happening, they're going to be finding different rush angles and different um, you know different kind of like uh, defensive line games and things like that uh, that help take advantage of uh, of those mismatches as we were just talking about and also then open things up for. For the for the for the young lion. Yeah, no, I I, I tell you, Rabs, I'm 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 really excited about watching this this defensive line unit as a whole, and mm-hmm. and I, I can't tell you how it's going to, you know, trans transpire and who's going to emerge. But I think there's there's a lot of interesting pieces to this. I mean, I I, I have big expectations for both Micah and Tank. I'm excited about Gallimore, and I'm gonna just I mean, just there's a lot of a lot of different players that could. Uh, that could yeah. really be an impact. And but speaking of exploiting matchups, let's just swing over to the other side of the ball. And I want to talk about another narrative, another story. And uh, as we may have seen, uh, uh, the rookie t- Tyler Smith is he is a lean, mean, non-starting machine. So uh-huh. you had to say that, didn't you? <laughs> well, first off, I want to point out. So I'm not going to run. He, he's he's the Gary Hogeboom of this era, isn't he? <laughs> I'm not going to. I want it to be clear. There's nothing to make of a rookie not getting first team reps in the first day of camp, you know, and and, and he did in fact get first team, but just wasn't the first of the first team. Uh, that was mm-hmm. Connor McGovern. So I wanted to ask you, I mean, I don't, you don't need really need to comment if you're worried about that. Cause you, I'm sure you're not, but I want to ask you, are you worried at all? First, I want to ask you what you think about Tyler Smith in general. Like he, he is a lot leaner now. And uh, I mean, he, and we're counting on him to be some, some pretty good push on, at the left guard spot. So are are you concerned that he's lost a little bit of a mass with that? Or are you concerned about the offensive line in general with, um, with how they're really just getting abused right now um, in, in camp so far? Um, I, well, I mean, the pads aren't on, so I don't, I don't think that anything matters. Right. Right. I mean, like nothing that comes out of camp right now really matters at all. Uh, even, even the seven on seven, I, it's all, it's all just flag football. It's glorified flag football. Um, so that's, that's point one. Point two is I actually, everything I hear about this kid to me, I really like, and I think it's positive. So he, he leaned out, he's been training with Duke Merriweather where, you know, where so many, so many great offensive linemen or offensive linemen who, who became great, um, you know, spent some time un, under Duke's tutelage. It, it, it seems like this is a serious kid who gets it. Right. And so he has a tremendous amount of natural strength. I think he's a naturally strong dude with naturally strong hands, naturally strong thighs. And, you know, as Jerry would say, a big old bubble and all that. He's got all I think he's got a lot of those elements. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if he's leaner, but stronger. You know, he's 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 he's, you know, going the the sort of um, the Tyron Smith route now uh, to some degree. Um, But I mean, it's possible he's not going to not going to start. I think I think this is all just kind of, you know, a little bit of a show, make him earn it, give some, give some love to the veteran who's been here and, you know, kind of got, kind of got a slightly raw deal last year in the, you know, swapping back and forth with, with Connor Williams. Uh, I, 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 as long as, as long as Tyron Smith stays healthy, this kid's going to be our starting, starting guard. And, uh, and I think he's going to be, I think he's going to be a good one. I think we're going to notice a significant upgrade in play from the person who was playing uh, left guard last year, uh, left guard. Yeah. Last year. Yeah. I, I will say this too. I mean, I, what you said is right. Rabs. I, everything that I've seen from him since he's been drafted. And every time I hear this, this kid speak, I feel better and better about, it. I mean, when you look at a player that has physical gifts and such a strong head on his shoulders. I mean, there you go. That's what that, that's how you become. A... And that's how they fell in love with him, right? They talked to him and said, Oh my God, this is the, this is the kid who has the wherewithal to shape his, his gifts. Yeah. And, and, you know, and so it's very easy to root for this guy. And uh, I know, you know, I'm coming around to like, I mean, I don't know why I would doubt McClay and company. I shouldn't, I should just love every pick they make. I shouldn't have my own opinion about it but <laughs> i mean i gotta give them credit those guys those guys do a good job i mean They're just really i good. mean just really i good. watched watching cd and micah walk out of walk out of you know off the field together and i'm thinking to myself you know i was like how did those guys make it to us i mean how how, how are we so lucky and i just realized that well because we you know we 
uh, th- those guys, you know, McClay and company, they, they know how to find talent. And uh, there's no reason to think that Tyler Smith can't be in the same category. So, I mean, so who knows what's going to happen? So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I like the guy, don't get me wrong. And I certainly, I would love for him to be, you know, so, you know, starting right away and an impact right away. And, and it'd be great if he's even a tackle pretty soon, because I mean, especially he's looks more like a tackle now with how, how lean he is, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. it's super important for uh, whoever they throw out there to give Dak the time he needs. Um, that way we can see this, this great wide receiver group that they have. And uh, so that brings us to our final narrative. And mm-hmm. I want you to talk and tell me what you think about these Cowboys young receivers and uh, what's your what's your feeling right now about the whole receiver situation? Oh boy, that's a complicated one because part of me is like it's camp. Uh, there's no pass rush. Um, they're basically, like I said, playing flag football. It's this is a situation that's made for receivers to succeed. That's that's point one. Point two. Name a year in camp where some young receiver hasn't made a name for himself in the first week, and we all think he's going to take the team and maybe even the league by storm, and then he pooters out uh, after you know after about six, seven days of practice because he can't miss. He, that, that's really not sustainable, especially for someone who's not you know an elite talent. Um. Uh, what was my other point I was going to make? I guess, I guess those are my, those are my two main points. Um. So. I guess the main thing is, is that news that comes out of camp now almost never, and I might even say never, has any bearing on the actual outcome of the season. That's one thing we have to remember. Now, I all, But at the same time, this season, it's really important, given everything else that's happening at receiver, that Jalen Tolbert have a solid rookie year. Now, if a solid rookie year does not mean a good year. It just means a solid rookie year. You can build on. It means he has to make some kind of contribution. It can't be a semi-fahoku kind of first year. Oh, right, yeah. You know, and so, um, and so far, he's probably. I mean, you know, if you if you said if you're if I ask you to name the star of camp, his name has to be on the short list, yeah. right? And so that's good. I mean, that's good. Again, he, it's 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 entirely possible and likely that he's going to fade because the rookies, you know, rookies hit, hit hit a wall early in camp, and especially especially young wide receivers. There's a lot. There's a lot to think about, and as things get more complex and it becomes more physical they get worn down and then they, they run a lot. So, so if he's not in incredible shape, he's going to, he's going to really wear down, but it's, it's comforting to know that we're not going to be saying, Oh, there was a wasted pick probably, you know, unless he gets injured or something. Um, but I also wanted to kind of talk about another guy they picked up uh, this kid, Devonte Turpin, who they picked up, who's, I guess, a CF, uh, not CFL or XFL. USFL. USFL, thank you. That, the one MVP, by the way. Yeah, yeah. So he was he was great. You know, of course, the uh, his you know his kickoff for punt return or whatever it was is now making the rounds on Twitter, etc. Um, and he's exactly that kind of player that I love. And so I've actually missed the kind of undersized, diminutive, uh, scat back water bug kick returner type. So I don't think Lucky Whitehead had a particularly good career with the Cowboys. He wasn't great. But I just love the idea of Lucky White. I love the idea of the tiny little, like, you know, Metcalfy, Megiddy kind of return guy uh, who's got quickness. Uh, Darren Sproles is a great example of that. Like, you know, low center of gravity, quick little dude, uh, can cut on a dime, has some acceleration, and and is capable of turning games around by making big plays in, in the kicking game. So if Devontae Turpin can do any of that, then that would be awesome i mean awesome because i love me a little water bug kick returner who can break a play a couple times a year yeah you know i tell you what um i am not i am probably worried about this wide receiver group as little as as you can be um i mean i know i understand the situation with amari's gone and and uh, michael gallup is gonna miss the first part of the season but I really like the players they have, and I, I tell you why. And this is what's really cool about being the, being at camp. And I, you know, I'm not going to be there. I wish I was, but um, you can just when you watch these players do drills, and you see the the small little differences, and the, just a little, um, just the extra juice that they have. And that's what really you you see that in a player like Jalen Tolbert. And, and even though it's a small sample size, you actually saw that in Devonte, uh, you know, Tolbert too. The the the, uh-huh. the I mean, he's got some. Some juice in him too. So I mean, I am excited about. I think that 
I don't know how it's going to shake up, but there's there's a a few guys, a few pass catchers that I, you know, really like. I'll be definitely be excited for in uh, watching preseason football because you know I love that. So um, I don't know. I just I'm just not worried about it. I feel I feel really. It's, I, I'm I'm more worried about the protection. As long as they Dak has time, I think that he's going to have enough weapons because I really think that there's some interesting tools that that they have this offense, even with his as quote-unquote bad as the Cowboys receiving group has become. Um, so mm. so let me ask, speaking of the Cowboys receiving group, let me ask you a question. You, we've talked about this in previous podcasts. You remember being at camp last year and, um, and the, sort of the, the, the dominant narrative of the, of the star at camp is pretty clear to everybody who this kind of star at camp was. And there was only one other guy who could really be even mentioned as a, as a as a possibility, and that player was. Are you actually exclusively wide receiver? No, just a, a whole team team wide. Oh well, it's it's C, it's CD and Diggs. That's absolutely right. That's exactly right. So they were head and shoulders above everybody else. Like practice after practice after practice, they were so good, and their battles were legendary. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. So let's just imagine that CD Lamb had played like that guy for the duration of the year last year. Do you think anyone would be talking about Amari Cooper right now? No. Right? I mean, if he played like that, we'd be, we'd, everybody would be saying, we have the best wide receiver in the league. We can afford to give up Amari Cooper because we have the best wide receiver in the league. I think the Cowboys think they have the best wide receiver in the league. Or a guy, you know, a guy who can do that. Maybe, you know, maybe not this year, but a guy who, who, will, who will belong in the same breath as those other cats that um, – you know, like Devontae Adams and those kind of guys that you that you talk about when you think about the league's best receivers, because they 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 know what this dude's capable of. They just it just he has, has to kind of put it all together. And I think in some ways they were just wanting to create space for it. I think they also like you know they, Amari's Amari's act got got tired. Right. But I think I think a lot of this is really about getting the progress stopper out of the way. Yeah. And I want to before before we go, I want to say I want to kind of make one comment about. Um, the you know the the moribund opening presser, which is always such a it's always you know such a sort of predictable dog and pony show, but I think there was a little bit of a little bit of of insight into the way that Joneses are thinking about this year that they they're they're not making explicit, but in some ways I thought they made it more explicit on I guess it was Tuesday was the opening presser than they than they have at any other time in the off season, and that is that. The thing they're relying on, so where they think the team is going to be better, is the development of a bunch of young guys, mm-hmm. right? I think they think across all, I mean, all, across almost all position groups, on uh, offense and defense. I think they think there's a bunch of guys who are in their second or third years who are going to make a big leap, and the, even though they lost Amari Cooper, the team is going to be so much better because so many guys are are, are on the ascendant. Yeah, and you know what? And, and I, honestly, Rabs, I, I, I'm buying into what they're selling because I mean, I know Cowboy fans just got upset about it and just lost all the talk that's going on. And but I just, I, I believe in. It. I, I, I agree with their approach. I, I agree with what they believe. The only question mark that I really have is like, have we done enough on the offensive line? Is, is there something? And I, I, I keep thinking, well, they must see something that I don't. Maybe between like Ball and Waletsko or something, to where they they're not worried about it apparently. Um, so there's a little bit of like um, I don't want to say blind faith that that I have there, but I, uh, that's one area that I'm genuinely still concerned about. But outside of that, I mean, I just I think they've done a great job, you know, and I I just think that what they're saying is 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 what they believe, in, and I don't have a problem with it. So I. Uh, I don't know the, the press conference to me. I don't. I didn't watch the whole thing, but I watched parts of it, and I I just think it's, I think it's as about as honest as you'll see yeah, them be. Yeah, and one hundred percent. And I I don't take I honestly don't take issue with the, as much as a lot of people do. And I think one of the areas, you know, to speak to what you were just talking about the offensive line. You know, last week when we ranked the different position groups and our confidence in them, um, I, I ranked the offensive tackles last. Right. But I think that. That's a great. That's a great example of where they see a couple of young players who are going to get better, and um, you know we haven't heard anything from Josh Ball, but they they see Josh Ball all the time, and so I think you know it, they may be wrong in this evaluation, but they're not wrong in the in the philosophical approach to it, which is 
if Josh Ball is a developing guy, he's in, he's in that space in his career where he needs to like step forward. He is step after you know, after a sort of you know a year of of kind of rehabbing and and growing, getting stronger, etc. Um, it's his time to do that. Why would you bring in a Tynus Enseki guy or somebody like that? to take all those reps when right. Josh Ball needs all the reps. If you can get tight, you can get a tight and sexy quality dude at the end of camp. There'll be good. There'll be guys like that floating around. You can make a trade for one or, or pick them up off the waiver writer wire. So why not wait? And it makes a lot of sense. Like they may be wrong in the evaluation of the player. They may, he, you know, he may not move forward in the, to the, to the amount that they, that they predicted he will to, you know, so that they can actually feel comfortable not getting a tie and sexy in. But, um, but the philosophy in terms of like, Get get the old guys out so the young guys can grow. Right. I think is a, is a great philosophy, especially given that they're you know they have the kind of draft and develop ethos that governs all their personnel decisions. Yeah, no, for sure, and that is, uh, that's what they're doing. And you know, and I'm sure we're going to see players circ- you know cycle through and you know, as they start to fill some of these holes and realize that they they have a little more needs than than they anticipated. But definitely get these young guys a, a shot first. And uh, you know, I'm excited to see what what they're they're going to see in camp and. Uh, you know, and then next week, uh, you know, you will be there, and you'll um, you'll have a front row seat, and you'll be talking about all the all the action. And you know, when we when we are are um, airing next week, we'll have updates with all that stuff. But that is all we have for today. If you haven't yet, please do subscribe to the Blogging the Boys Podcast Network. Leave us a rating, write a review wherever you get your podcast: Apple, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher. Tell us what you think. Anything you would like us to do differently to improve your podcast listening experience. And if you ever want to talk to us about anything at all, any Cowboys hot topics, any, any players you're watching at camp, or something weird about jersey numbers that, that's weird about you, let us know. Hit us up on Twitter. I'm at DannyPhantom24. And Rabs is at RabbleRouser, spelled R-A-B-B-L-E-R-O-U-S-R. And don't forget to check out all the great podcasts throughout the entire week. Every day we got something new for you. Tomorrow we'll have the World's Team with Meg Murray and Paul Stewart. So make sure to check that out. But that's all we have for today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hope you have a great weekend. Stay safe, stay happy, stay true to the silver and blue. And we will catch you later. Last dismissed.